if you've been paying attention through the series, you notice that there's so much that we need to do. Like in a series called Difficult People, you probably expect us to give you some tips on what we can do to change the difficult person. But so far, you might have noticed that everything we talked about so far are things that we need to do to change us. And for many of us, it's not logical. It doesn't make sense to us. If you have a cracked screen on your phone, you wanna fix the broken phone. If you have a leak in your roof, you wanna fix the roof. If you have a car that breaks down, you wanna fix the car. In all these examples, the reasonable thing to do is to fix the problem. So why doesn't that logic extend to difficult people? I mean, it'd be weird for me to say, oh, the screen on my phone is broken, so I need to change the way I look at my screen, or that I have to change my lifestyle to accommodate for the leaky roof. So why are we teaching you how to change yourself when clearly the problem is with the other person? And that's a legitimate question. So let's talk about it in today's message. So let's start with a disclaimer. What I'm about to talk about today should not be applied to every difficult person in your life. In some cases, the difficult person in your life is dangerous. And if you believe that the application to this sermon is unsafe or unwise for you, then don't do it. However, if this sermon makes you uncomfortable, then that doesn't let you off the hook. Okay, with that disclaimer out of the way, I want to start by saying this to you. When it comes to dealing with difficult people, our goal is reconciliation, but reconciliation is not our responsibility. So let me say that again. Reconciliation is our goal. It is not our responsibility. And if that confuses you a bit, maybe this will help. In the earlier example of fixing broken things like your phone, your roof, your car, if something is broken, it is your responsibility to fix it. But relationships are not the same as those things. So what's the difference? Well, with your roof, your phone, your car, you have complete control over all the components. But in an adult-to-adult -adult relationship, you don't have control over all the parts. Yes, you do have a part in praying for the people you're involved with, but you should never control the outcome of another adult. So let me say this as plainly as I can. Never set a goal for another adult. While you can set up your own personal goal of reconciliation, when you take complete responsibility over reconciling that relationship, you end up controlling the other person. And here's why. When you set a goal for another person, now you have an agenda. Your motive is to get that other person to do what you want that person to do. And when we deal with difficult people and you feel like it's your job to fix the root of the tension of that relationship, most people approach that relationship with an agenda, which looks like one of the following. First, persuasion. Maybe you've been in a situation where you said, I'm sorry to the person that's difficult, expecting that other person to say the same thing to you. And when that person doesn't say it, it makes you even more angry. And then in some of your conversations, you start dropping hints and cues so that they kind of get the hint. Yeah, that's not good. This is your way of trying to control the other person. Number two, guilt. Maybe you do this without even knowing, but sometimes when you're having a conversation with a difficult person, you bring up past mistakes, you talk about the times that that person has hurt you because you feel like they owe you something. A lot of us do this. We bring up some mistake from the past just so that we could get them to say, I'm sorry, and that's how you think you're gonna reconcile that relationship. Number three, pressure. We put them in a situation where they have to reconcile with you. Maybe you said something like, hey, I did my part in trying to fix this relationship. Why haven't you done your part? Now, while your intention is to reconcile a relationship and you think that's what God wants in your life, using these methods is a form of control. When you feel that it's your responsibility to fix relationships, we end up trying to manipulate the other person. But you might be thinking, hey, Kotz, if this could actually lead to reconciliation, don't you think it's worth it? Well, let me put it this way. I mean, imagine if you're on the receiving end of this. I mean, ask yourself, do you treasure the relationships in your life where the other person has an agenda for you? 
Or do you like it when other people use guilt trips and other forms of control to get you to act a certain way? I mean, of course not. As soon as you meet with this person, your guard goes up, you put up these walls, and you end up wondering if that person just said what that person just said to manipulate you into doing something. I mean, that's not a path to a healthy, reconciled relationship. I'm sure you've experienced this. Every time you meet with a person who has an agenda for you, you feel that you're being evaluated and judged. So we should not do that to the people in our lives. I mean, think about our nation. Our country is currently divided and each side is basically trying to persuade, guilt trip, or pressure the other side into seeing the world from their perspective. And is our nation better for it? Oh, and by the way, as a side note, there's a reason why people outside the church don't like hanging out with people from the church. And it's because they think that we always have an agenda for them. Okay, I'm just saying. So once again, while it's good to have a goal of reconciling relationships, it should not be your responsibility to do so. So if our responsibility is not to fix relationships, what should it be? And as a matter of fact, the Bible has a lot to say about it. If you call yourself a Jesus follower, then the following is mandatory. Why? Because a Jesus follower is supposed to be committed to following Jesus' example. So what did Jesus do? Or maybe a better place to start is to ask the question, who are the difficult people in God's life? Answer, we are. I mean, God is perfect and everything he does is to reconcile the relationship between God and humanity. But history is filled with examples of us missing that up. From the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end of human history, we will keep messing up this relationship with God. So one of the main themes of the Bible is about a rebellious race called humanity reconciling with God. And when humanity was at its worst, God did, well, what did he do? Well, if you've been going to church your whole life, you probably know the answer to that question, which is God, well, he died for us. Perhaps the Apostle Paul's words are more fitting, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus laid his life down for humanity when we were at our worst. I mean, it's been said by many churchgoers that Jesus died on the cross so that we could be reconciled with God. But there's a misconception that's attached to this. See, Jesus dying on the cross for us is not the same as reconciliation. Jesus dying on the cross is usually associated with forgiveness of God. You see, the misconception is that we believe that Jesus, his ultimate goal was to die on the cross. But that's not true. So if this is a situation between God and humanity, and the forgiveness of God for humanity is not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is reconciliation. Another way to word this is, Jesus' sacrifice was the removal of the biggest obstacle to reconciliation. Forgiving rebellious humans was not the ultimate goal. It was paving a path to the goal. For generations, the people of God believed that God was angry with them. They thought that their inability to obey God's commandments in the Old Testament was causing God to turn his back on them. They believed that they had to earn God's attention. They sacrificed all they had. They forced all the people around them to obey the rituals and moral laws to earn God's favor. They would even chant songs over and over again in hopes that they would be heard by God. And when Jesus died on the cross, that was a message from God to humanity saying, don't worry about the commands. I removed them for you. Don't worry about earning God's attention. I already see you. Don't worry about giving me everything you have. I've already given all of me to you. And don't worry about being imperfect. My love has very little to do with your ability or inability to follow my rules. So when Jesus died on the cross, he was removing all those obstacles. He says, humanity, all the times you messed up, don't worry about it. I'll take the blame for you guys. So let me say this one more time. Forgiveness was a means to an end. Forgiving humanity was God removing the biggest obstacle on the path to reconciliation. 
the role that Jesus played here was he cleared the way so that he gave us the free choice to approach him if we wanted to reconcile with him. And if God did more than this, he would need to resort to manipulating us. I mean, have you ever thought of this? God could have just stayed in his lofty throne and said to himself, you know what? Instead of suffering the loss of my only begotten son, I can just force my people to love me. Or I could just make them feel so bad about what they've done to me that they'll come begging me to give them a second chance at this relationship. No, <laughs> no, instead, God decided to remove the obstacle between humanity and himself and express how much he loved them. Jesus spent the majority of his time building relationships with outcasts, the fishermen, the woman, the tax collector, the poor, and yes, even the religious people and died for them. So if Jesus' followers are meant to imitate Jesus, then what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to deal with difficult people? Our goal is to remove as many obstacles that lay in the path to reconciliation without manipulating or controlling the other person. That is our responsibility, which means the actual act of reconciliation it's not up to us. So check this out. In your relationships with one another, which includes difficult people, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, meaning we have to mimic Jesus in the way that we reconcile with others. In the same way that Jesus died on the cross for us, but left the choice to reconcile with him was up to humanity, we have to mimic that example. He didn't control us, and neither should we control the difficult people in our lives. Instead, we sweep the path, put out the doormat, and keep the door open for them, just in case they want to reconcile with us. We should make it as easy as possible for them to reconcile when the opportunity comes up. So let's not spend any more energy trying to convince forest or guilt trips them into reconciliation. Let's spend our time trying to understand them, asking God to give us the eyes that he has to see them so that we can reframe the way that we ought to look at that person. Let's keep on asking God to transform us so that we could continue to show kindness to them especially the people who are difficult to us. So church, may God continue to transform us from the inside out so we can have the same compassion that God has for the difficult people in our lives. And may we continue to look to God as our example as somebody who had the power to manipulate but chose not to. He gave us the space to choose Him. And may we experience heaven together. God bless.